the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. In their context, in their language, and we're going to be reading it back through the pages of all 66 books of the closed canon of Scripture. And what Daniel is going to show them and us is that there is a grander plan beyond what we can see here on earth. And so I would just say, an application, even before we get started, do not be anxious about anything because God is in control. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Oh, nothing is impossible Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby. Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues in his teaching series from the Old Testament book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Daniel, chapter 7. And now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study. We continue on this series in Daniel, which is basically living as exiles in exile, right? We are exiles. We are not of this world. I've talked to you about this before. And we have to live appropriately. Our, our home is in heaven. That's where we belong. And right now, we're walking through planet Earth, dealing with a fallen world. And Daniel is all about how, what that looks like. Daniel isn't about you or isn't about me. It's about God. It's about God's sovereignty. This message is entitled High Anxiety Versus Divine Sovereignty. And if you've learned anything from Daniel so far, you can trust God even when life hurts, no matter what is going on. And this, this narrative continues. But what happens now is we begin to shift gears a little bit and we begin to look into the future. And we're moving into the prophetic side of Daniel. We are also sharpening our view of the eternal perspective as we live life on this fallen planet. Which brings us to 410 AD. 410 AD. In 410 AD, the Visigoths overran and looted the city of Rome. 
They sacked the city of Rome and people thought it was the end of the world. Rome, the eternal city, as it was called. And this is within 30 years after Christianity became the state religion in Rome. And so Christians thought, okay, this is it. We're going to establish Zion on earth, you know, where it's going to be Rome. They couldn't have been more wrong. And so these Germanic hordes just overran the city and tore it to pieces. And people were just shaken to their core. They were anxious. They were afraid. What was going to happen next? The world as they knew it was ending. Or was it? And in this milieu, Augustine of Hippo, the Bishop of Hippo, St. Augustine, as some people know him, wrote a book called The City of God. And he wrote this book to remind people that there are essentially two cities, two kingdoms, two worlds. There was the earthly city, which was represented by Rome. There was the eternal city, which is heaven. And you could live life with a, with a temporal perspective and not see the forest for the trees, or you could live life with eternity stamped on your forehead and see things as they were, as they are. And so in the city of God, Augustine set out to calm and comfort his readers by providing them a biblical interpretation of history, reminding them that there was this bigger picture to consider. And so he writes to assert the supremacy and sovereignty of God over all things in this world, that whatever happens here on earth doesn't change anything in heaven. And so his was a tale of two cities, a tale of two perspectives, one eternal and one temporal. And implicit in his words of comfort was the fact that we should not panic in the face of crises because none of this takes God by surprise. And so that's what Daniel, and we're going to cover verses 1 through 28, Daniel chapter 7 is all about. Today's study, chapter 7, all of Daniel, in fact, is almost like the city of God, except that it's inspired scripture and the city of God wasn't. Daniel writes to comfort the Jewish people, to remind them that there are two kingdoms, the earthly kingdom which they live in in exile in Babylon and the heavenly kingdom which is above, which is unchanging, where the ancient of days, the God of gods, the sovereign of the universe is there superintending everything that goes on on earth. Nothing takes him by surprise and he's not panicked by anything and neither should they be. Daniel chapter 7 is about eschatology. We're going to get into, you know, in Revelation I said we're not going to look, get into the bright, shiny objects. We're going to get into the bright, shiny objects in, in, here in Daniel, okay? But Daniel isn't so much about eschatology as it is about a prophecy of hope, comfort, and peace. Also, Daniel structurally, sort of, is like the book of Job. How's that? Because remember the book of Job, you know, you have the devil talking, you have Satan talking to God, and then stuff's happening on earth. We're going to hop back and forth between two venues about eight times, hopefully before sundown. And, and so it's like Job, except the difference is when it's jumping back and forth, you know, Job didn't know what hit him. And he never got an answer except to, I'm God and this is the way I do things and don't question me. But in Daniel... We hop back and forth between heaven and earth, and God is revealing 
to Daniel in real time the eternal and earthly perspective so that he can see the difference between the two. Daniel receives this vision. And this vision initially unnerves and rattles him than it would us if we received the same vision. And in that way, in some sense, Daniel typifies you and me, how we'd respond if we were in his shoes and how we probably perhaps and how the Jews were responding or reacting to the situations that they saw on earth because that's all they could see. And so Daniel gives us this view of the future. And through that, he gives us and the Jewish people the ability to see through, as it were, the fog of prophetic war, uh, the, the fog of spiritual warfare, the fog of uh, eschatological war. And what we learn and what the Jewish people learn is that things are not out of control. No, not one bit. Heaven and earth is not impressed. Heaven is not impressed with the antics and goings on on planet earth. Nobody is getting away with anything. Nothing is happening that God doesn't allow or ordain and won't deal with. There will be justice. There will be judgment. And this is the comfort that Daniel provides for the Jewish people. God is in control. He will set things aright. There's no need to panic. Although, Jerusalem, like Rome, and those are two different cities with two different destinations, had been, remember this, when we read this, we read this in the context of Daniel chapter 1, right? Where the Jewish people found themselves conquered, defeated, their king taken away into captivity, their, their royalty, their nobility, hostages taken away in one of three coming deportations. The temple looted, the theological center of the universe, and they are strangers in exile. And that's why Gary read that psalm earlier, right? Psalm, and it said, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down, there we wept as we remembered Zion. Our captors required songs of us, our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Can you imagine? I mean, you've been carried away from your home, and that your captors are like, Hey, hey, boy. Sing us a song. That's what's going on. These people are crushed. Judah, of course, felt forgotten, felt rejected. You know, feelings can be a dangerous thing in a dangerous world. And so the book of Daniel reminds them, there in their captivity, of the sovereignty of God. What did Jesus say, right? Not even a bird can fall from a tree apart from your heavenly Father, and you're of more value than these birds, Right? So much, so much more that Christ came to redeem us, to die for our sin. Daniel reminds us that hard times can come into the life of good people living in bad times. The Jewish nation was being punished for its sin. Judah was being carried off. The fall of Jerusalem was the Lord's doing. And that judgment, right, had collateral damage. Sin always does. And good people are carried off, good people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And so Daniel is recording these things, and he's explaining these things, and he's giving them hope. Because I have to remind you again, in those days, if your country was defeated in war, then the natural assumption was, is that your gods or your God was inferior to the conquering nation's God. And that's why they'd say, hey, sing us a song of Zion, right? 
And this made life hard for the Jews in Babylon. And, and, and I just want to remind you, when we get into the eschatological, to the end times stuff here in Daniel, remember, it's written well before Christ. This is written in a pre-Christian context. So this is how the Jews are to see the future. Because Israel and the church are not the same. One doesn't replace the other. They are two distinct representations of the people of God. They're saved by grace through faith in the Messiah. But right now, he's going to be talking to them in their context, in their language. And we're going to be reading it back through the pages of all 66 books of the closed canon of Scripture, often through, back through the lens of Revelation, the book of Revelation. And what Daniel is going to show them and us is that there is a grander plan beyond what we can see here on earth. And so I would just say, an application, even before we get started, do not be anxious about anything because God is in control, okay? Such anxiety can become sin because you can take your eyes off the Almighty and put it on other things. As we go through this message today, there's a ton of introductions, so bear with me. I want to give you just a little bit more background here. As we come to chapter 7, the Jews have been in captivity for almost 50 years. 50 years. It's hard to be hopeful. People who were are, who are once young, like Daniel, are now old. And people who were carried away into captivity from Judah, Jerusalem to Babylon, some of them have already died. They're not coming, they're not coming back to the promised land, to the homeland. But some will. And so through a series of dreams and vision, Daniel has, uh, they can begin to see that God has not abandoned his people. God was there even in Babylon, even after 50 years of captivity. They could look forward to the coming redemption and restoration to Israel, of Israel, through the coming of the promised Messiah. And this chapter begins to introduce that. It reminds us that God remained on the throne, caring for the smallest details in their universe, even as he does today, for the smallest details in our lives. And, and, and this, is the kind of, this is going to be a bumpy ride because we're going to be jumping back and forth between heaven and earth eight times. It's kind of like riding down a bumpy road with bad shocks. You're going to be able to do that kind of thing, Okay. Let me do that again? I didn't think so. But anyway, which brings us to one other thing I want to put in your mind. I want you to suspend in your mind. Is the mayfly, the cuttlefish, the human being, the tortoise, and God. Okay? Just so you'll be sufficiently bewildered and confused here. Okay? Let's talk about the mayfly. The mayfly hatches and becomes a nymph and sits in the water for a long time and then emerges from the water. A, a mayfly can fly and everything. And the lifespan of the mayfly is five minutes. Some live to be 12 minutes long. But generally, the adult mayfly lasts five minutes. They got a lot to do in five minutes, right? Some of us would say that's not much of a lifetime. I mean, five minutes, right? Right? Can you imagine, you know, uh, I can't. 
what would the world look like to them? What would the perspective be? What would their worldly perspective be? Very narrow, very tiny. They can't see much in five minutes. Then there's the cuttlefish. Has anybody seen a cuttlefish before? They live about 18 months. They're kind of a first cousin to an octopus or a squid. 18 months is not a very long time, is it? Unless, of course, you're a mayfly, then it's an eternity. But think about their perspective. You've got a lot to do in 18 months. And that's the average age. Some might live to be really old, like 20 months. And some don't make it that long at all. Imagine the worldview of a cuttlefish. Then there are human beings. Today, as of 2015, the average Western, whatever that means, human being, lives to about 78 years. You know what? I mean, that's us, right? Uh, Some of you, I know, have lived beyond that, you know. Uh, You're living, as they say, on borrowed time, but enjoy that. But that's not much, that's that's not long either, really, except compared to a cuttlefish or maybe a mayfly, right? Now compare that to the Galapagos tortoise. The the longest living Galapagos tortoise lived to be 175 years old. It was raised in captivity. I don't know how many zookeepers it outlived. But imagine how they see the world, you know? Can you imagine that? A Galapagos tortoise talking to a human being. Relax, kid, you're only 60 you got another 115 years to go. The best years of your life are ahead of you, right? That's the Galapagos tortoise perspective. And they all see the world differently. But they all see the world in a very compact era of time. Then there's God, of course. And his perspective is eternal, right? The earthly realm marches on and we think you know, every so many years the world's coming to an end and there's no hope and what's going to happen next and there's God seated on the throne unintimidated, unimpressed in charge, in control shepherding, loving, providing protecting, sustaining and through his, the sacrifice of his son redeeming and through the second coming of his son setting all things straight well today as Daniel looks at all the world around him he's going to provide us an understanding of things uh, that we otherwise would not be able to make sense of because we're not that much different than a mayfly compared to the ancient of days we don't last that very long at all so let's get started we're going to have eight venue changes of venue okay and as we go through these it's going to be kind of a bumpy ride but God through these is going to reveal to us the reason why there's no need for us to be anxious, to be fearful, only to be faithful and to be trusting. So let's start out in Daniel chapter 7, verse 1, on earth. We'll look at verses 1 through 8. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, let me just stop right there. This is told in flashback. This is pre-handwriting on the wall. So 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 aren't necessarily chronologically uh, sequential. So now he's going back before the handwriting on the wall. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, 
different from one another. The first was like a lion that had eagle's wings. Then I looked, as I looked, its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, arise and devour much flesh. After this, I looked and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. Verse 7, after this I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. It had ten horns. I considered the horns and behold, there came up from among them another horn, a little one before which the three of the first horns were plucked up by its roots. And behold, this horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. What is going on here? A couple of things I want you to realize. Number one, this is a capitulation of Nebuchadnezzar's first dream. It's just told differently. You have a succession of kingdoms coming, one different than the other. You know, so the the statue with the head of gold and all this kind of business, this is the same thing. We're just having more detail. You know, when God, in Scripture, it's like an upside-down triangle. You start out with a narrow prophetic vision, and your field of view expands as you work through the, God, through the Bible. This is all a single prophecy. Now we're getting increased revelation, increased elaboration here. And remember this about Daniel, right? We read in chapters 1 and 2 that God had given him the gift of interpreting dreams. And so when Daniel has a dream... He doesn't say, oh, that was a strange dream. He takes it seriously because he knows that's how God is communicating to him. So upon receiving this dream with terrible beasts, Daniel writes down a summary of the dream. Right, Daniel chapter 7, 1. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Told the sum of the matter. That means he didn't go into a ton of detail. So what we're going to see is we work through the book of Daniel from here on out is increasing detail. But right now, this is the 30,000-foot flyover. And he told us some of the matter. Who did he tell us some of the matter to? The Jewish people. The people that needed to hear it. And because this this inspired vision has been written down in the inspired text and transmitted and preserved down through the centuries, he's told us the sum of the matter too. But what he's doing right now is he's talking to the Jewish people. Verse 2, you see the, the, the four winds of heaven would stir up the great sea. Well, the four winds of heaven represent God, right? God's power, God's will, God's sovereignty. And the great sea, as we'll see, no pun intended, moving on, is, symbolizes humanity or governments or nations. And so out of the peoples of the earth would rise a succession of very, very different kingdoms represented by frightening beasts. Then after them, there will come this other nation whose mouth speaks great things, has the eyes of a man and the great things. And we'll see that these great things are blasphemous things. And this will be the kingdom of the Antichrist, as we'll see in the moment. 
and it will reach its zenith and destruction during the tribulation period, and we will get to the tribulation period. But okay, we have all this upheaval, this little horn speaking great things, all this arrogance, all this chaos on earth anyway. So what do you do with this? What do you do with this text right here? You understand that by virtue of this vision that God is in control, that God reveals the truth. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.